Today on Awaken to Grace, we continue our study in a series called The God Of. And today we come to the amazing name for God in the Old Testament, a name that God revealed to humanity, and it is called El Shaddai. Friends, we're going to see the beauty. We're going to see the richness. We're going to see the significance of that incredible name. And more so, we're going to learn how to pray that name. Because what we're learning in this study, as we study the names of God, is that when you begin to pray the power of his name, friends, you're praying the very character of God, the character that is unchanging. So I'm so glad that you're with me today. My name is Chad Roberts. I'm your Bible teacher, and I hope that as we explore God's Word together, that your life continues to transform into the very image of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast on Awakened to Grace. Genesis chapter 17, verse number one. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared before him and said, I am God Almighty. He would have said to Abraham, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Walk before me blamelessly that I may create the covenant between me and you that I may bless your seed. So what's the point? God appeared before Abraham and Abraham was the friend of God and he's very close to God and God gave him an enormous promise. But with that promise, God revealed his name. With that promise, God showed Abraham who he was and he said, I'm El Shaddai and what the name El Shaddai means is God Almighty. It is imperative that you and I understand today that when you and I pray to God, we are not praying to a mere mortal man. We are not praying to someone who's limited as though you and I are limited. We are praying to El Shaddai. We are praying to God Almighty. We're not speaking to someone who has limited power. Think about this. Think about this just for a moment, okay? What if God truly desired to help you, but yet he didn't have the ability? What if God were kind, yet God was weak? What if God was beautiful, but yet he had no power? He was limited. My friend, that is not the God of the Bible. And Satan would try to tell us that God does not have either the power to help us or that God does not have the interest to help us, and neither are true. When you and I go before God in prayer, you and I must remember who we are praying to, and it is El Shaddai, it is God Almighty. And when you and I understand who we are praying to, then we understand that his promises are yes and amen through Christ Jesus. You and I understand that he has all power to change our circumstance. So let's talk about that today. Go to Romans chapter 4. I'm so excited to walk through this text with you. It's some of my most favorite verses of the Bible. It is teaching me so much in the season of life that I am in now, and I pray that God has a great deal to share with you. Let's begin in verse number 17. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. As it is written... 
I have made you the father of many nations. Now that's the promise that God made to Abraham. Now let's understand a little bit of the backstory for a moment. Now when God promised Abraham a son, Abraham was 75 years old. Abraham did not feel that he nor his wife Sarah could produce a child. Sarah was barren within her womb. So at age 75, God gives Abraham a promise, and there's so much tied to the, to, to the context of this. Abraham goes before the Lord and says, my servant is going to inherit all of my wealth because I don't have an heir. God says, you're going to have an heir. I'm going to give you a son. So some of you know the story. So God promises Abraham a son at 75. Sarah, his wife, hears of it, and she laughs out loud and goes, how am I going to bear a child in my old age? This is absurd. It's silly. It literally made her laugh out loud. As a matter of fact, when they did name their son Isaac, his name literally means laughter, joy. (laughs) And so many of you know the story. Sarah, time goes, and they don't conceive And Sarah gets an idea in her head. She's going to give Abraham, her husband, her servant, Hagar, for him to take as a wife. How many of you know when we stir the pot and we get in God's way, we make a mess? Right? God doesn't need your help. God doesn't need my help. And when you and I, and how many of you are like me? I'm a fixer. Anybody else like that? You give me a problem, I like to try to find the solution. That's just who I am. Let's fix it. Well, God doesn't need our help. And so Abraham and Hagar conceive and they bear a son named Ishmael, but Ishmael wasn't the promise. Isaac was the promise. And so God waits not 12 months, which would be a long wait, not 24 months, which would be a long wait, not even five years, not even 10 years. A decade is a long time to wait on the Lord. God waited 25 years. 25 years Abraham waited on the Lord. Paul, in Romans chapter 4, is going to show us how he waited, why he waited, and how you and I can do the same as our faith grows. I can't wait to share it with you. So now, according to our text, Genesis chapter 17 God appears before Abraham and says, Abraham, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. I'm going to bless your seed. I'm going to give you a nation. I'm going to give you a son. You're going to be the father of many nations. Now you fast forward to Paul's day. Paul says in verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. It's It's done. Paul is fruit of this. Paul is part of this. But now Paul's going to lay it out for us. and He's going to help us understand how to grow in faith. Notice what he says next. I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed. Now that's powerful. 
in the presence of the God in whom he believed. I want us to understand this for a moment. Notice, I just can't separate this in my own life. What I cannot do is take hold of the promises that God gives me. What I cannot do is take hold of those promises and then go off somewhere over here in left field or go off track and then go on and do whatever I want to do and not live in the presence of God. If I am to believe that God is El Shaddai, if I am to believe that God is who he says he is, how in the world can I get off track, forsake the Lord, go down my own paths, go down the paths that I see as comfortable, go down the paths that I want to go without consulting him and just go on and live life? You know what, friends? You're never going to have the promise of God apart from living in the presence of God. And Paul is very clear, in the presence Genesis chapter 17, God appeared before Abraham and said, I am El Shaddai. Without living in the presence of God, seeking the face of God, you and I will never take hold of the very promise of God. You cannot separate the two. And some of you really need to get this because you have this little compartment that's called Sunday morning. And for 90 minutes on Sunday morning, you, you, you think about God and God's in this little box. But then you go on and then you live your life however you choose to live your life. God can't bless you that way. Some of you are going to go down a journey that I believe God's going to so change your life because right now you don't really believe the God of the Bible. You believe in God, but what that is, is it's something that you have literally made up in your mind. It's something that maybe you grew up seeing this weird, twisted view of God or this, even just the, uh, an incorrect view of God. And so somewhere in your mind, you go, well, I believe this about the Bible, but I don't believe that. Well, my friends, then you don't believe the Bible. Do you understand what I'm saying? Notice what he's going to say next. Because this is imperative to growing in faith. You have, this is pivotal. You have to understand this. If your faith is truly going to grow, if you're going to pray to the God El Shaddai, the God who's almighty, the God who's more than enough, you and I have to get this. So notice what he's going to say next. This is so powerful. who calls, who brings life to dead, gives life to the dead, who, who brings into existence the things that do not exist. Now you're talking about exciting me today. That scripture, that scripture does something for me. If he indeed is God, now notice what Paul is saying. How did he take hold of the promise? In the presence of the God in whom he believed. He knew he was El Shaddai. He knew he was almighty. He knew he was sufficient. He knew that God was able. In the presence of the God in whom he believed. What God? What's he able to do? Who gives life to dead things who brings into existence those things that do not exist. Do you realize how exciting that is about God today? But there are some who would call themselves Christians. There are some who would even consider themselves a part of the church. But the problem is you don't believe in this God. You believe in a God that you've made up in your mind and it's not the God of the Bible. If you don't believe that God truly spoke the world into existence as we saw in Genesis 1, then you don't believe the God of the Bible. And if you don't believe the God of the Bible, how can you expect God to do anything in your life to help you? Do you understand what I'm saying? 
How can you expect God to speak into existence things in your life that don't even exist if you don't believe the God of the Bible and what his word says? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we have to ask ourselves, do we truly believe the God of the Bible? Well, I tell you, I'll tell you where I am. I'm getting to a place, uh, God is shattering my unbelief. He is taking hold of the word of God and he is shattering my unbelief. I'm telling you right now, I believe that God, I believe that God speaks life into dead things. And you say, well, Chad, what do you mean dead? I mean dead things. I don't care what, your marriage is dead, God will speak life into it. Dead things. My doctor says this eye is dead. Let me tell you, God can speak life into it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm saying dead. Listen, some of you are dead in your sins. There's no life of God in you, and God can speak life into you and make you born again like that. Dead things, dead things he brings to life. You say, Chad, can he do it physically? Oh yeah, read your Bible. Did you know that Jesus never went to a funeral that he didn't ruin? (laughs) Did you know that? He never attended a funeral that he didn't ruin. Why? Because death can't hang around the son of God. He has power over it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if God can speak life into dead things, you don't think he can't speak into your life? You don't think he can resurrect what's dead within you? Absolutely he can. Why? Because he's El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. He's not a man. He's not a mortal. He's not limited as though you and I are limited. He's El Shaddai. He gives life to the dead. So your marriage is dead today, he'll speak life to it. There's a part of your body dead today, he'll speak life to it. Your spiritual life dead today, he'll speak life to it. He is the God who gives life to the dead. And then he he speaks. (laughs) He calls into existence those things that do not exist. Let me tell you, the people that I can tell have faith. They'll come to me. I've had many come to me and say, Chad, I'm praying about your vision. All right. They'll say, I'm calling what is not as though it were. Oh, I know what you're saying. Amen. Amen. God will help us. He'll speak into our life. And then notice what he says next. He calls into existence those things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope. Oh, my. In hope he believed against hope that he would be called the father of many nations. As it was said to him, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith. Now note that. He did not weaken in faith. You know how many people are sitting at home today rather than in the house of God, around the people of God because their faith has weakened. Somewhere along the line, there's been some kind of hurt. There's been some kind of an offense. There's been some kind of trial some way. God didn't answer a prayer or they, they felt God let them down or something happened. And somewhere along the line, their faith weakened. Listen, I don't want my faith to weaken today. I want to be like Abraham. I want to grow stronger in my faith. And let me tell you, in the Christian life, there's no neutral area. Do you realize that? See, some of you think you're on autopilot right now. There is no autopilot to your faith. You're either getting weaker or you're growing stronger. 
as we're going to see in just a moment in the text. Either your faith is weakening or your faith is strengthening. There's no in between. And if you think that you're just on cruise control, my friend, you're weakening in your faith. And you need to rouse yourself. You need to awaken yourself. You need to stir yourself and let God work in your life. You're either going backward or you're going forward. You're either weakening or you're strengthening, one or the other. And so notice what he says. He did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body and how it was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Now, Paul is going to teach us so much. He did not consider his own body. He's 99 years old, nearly 100 years old. How is he going to produce a child? How is he going to have a son? He's nearly 100 years old. But yet he didn't consider his own body. Let me tell you, I'm learning how to do this. (laughs) I'm learning. I'm learning how to say, listen, I'm going to live to the glory of God. I'm not going to worry what my eyes can do. And I'm certainly not going to worry about what they can't do. I'm going to disregard my vision. I'm going to disregard what I can see. I'm going to disregard what I cannot see. Why? Because I'm looking to faith. Why? Because I'm looking to God. I'm not looking to doctors. I'm not looking to medicine. I'm not looking to science. I'm not looking to technology. I'm looking to El Shaddai, who is God Almighty. And I'm not worried about my limitations. And I'm not worried about what my body may or what it may not be able to do. I'm focused on God alone. Why? Because he can change my circumstance. And he can sustain me through the circumstance. Do you understand what I'm saying? His faith did not weaken. You want your faith to weaken? Then look at your circumstance. You want your faith to weaken? Then look around at how, what, the things that's out of your control, the things that you cannot fix, the things that you can't control. That will weaken your faith. But when you look to God, your faith will strengthen. And some of you are discouraged today. You're dragging yourself in here today. Some of you, you're unable to pray right now because you feel so weak. I'll tell you why you're weak. Because all you see is your circumstance. And you need to look beyond that. And you need to look to El Shaddai, the God who is almighty. Amen. And he's able to help. He's not limited. He's not powerless. He's not weak. He's God almighty. And he's able to help. Now notice what else, what else he said. This is so strong to me. Notice what else he says. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Now this strikes me. I feel as though the Lord has a word to speak to someone today concerning this. Abraham had to believe God when his wife didn't. Abraham had to have faith when his wife didn't. There are some of you in a circumstance right now where you believe God, but your spouse doesn't. You're holding to God, but your spouse isn't. You're looking to the Lord, but your spouse isn't. You're you're trusting in God, but your spouse does not. Uh, Listen, take courage today because Abraham had enough faith for both of them. You remember what happened? When the angel of the Lord told Abraham, you're going to have a son, we already talked about it. You remember what Sarah did? She laughed out loud. That was the first LOL. She laughed out loud. 
She didn't believe God. As a matter of fact, she so did not believe God that she stirred the pot and got him in trouble with Hagar and Ishmael. And then when God did give them Ishmael, she got so mad over it, she kicked him out of the home. Sarah was a mess. But Abraham believed God. Sometimes your spouse may not be where you are spiritually. Sometimes your spouse may not be where you are in your faith. But don't let that discourage you. You keep believing God for the both of you. Amen? So when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, notice what it says next. Oh, I love this. No distrust caused him to waver concerning the promise of God. Oh, I want that as my testimony. No distrust caused him to waver concerning the promise of God. 25 years he waited. 25 years he wondered. 25 years he believed God. Listen to what George Mueller said. Now think of it. No distrust caused him to waver concerning the promise. Singular. Of God. George Mueller said it so well. Abraham had but only one promise from God. And he believed God. You and I have thousands of promises in the word of God. How much more should you and I have faith? See, you and I look at Abraham and we marvel and we go, oh my, what faith Abraham had. But he had only but one promise and yet he believed. You and I have thousands of promises. How much more should you and I believe? You and I have the promise. See, Abraham didn't know this. You and I know this. We know that every promise of God is yes and amen through Jesus Christ. Abraham didn't know that, yet you and I know that. You and I have thousands of promises in the word of God. How much stronger should our faith be than that of Abraham? You understand what I'm saying today? No distrust caused him to waver from the promise of God. Oh, I love that. Let me tell you, I want to take the word of God because how do you grow in faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want to take the word of God and I want to take whatever doubt, whatever unbelief, whatever distrust there is in my flesh, human heart that's marred with humanity, marred with sin. And I want to take the word of God and I want to pound it and I want to pound it and I want to pound it until I shatter all unbelief. I want to trust God. I want to believe that he is who he says he is. I want to know the God of the Bible, not the God I make up in my mind or the God I grew up in in whatever tradition I grew up in. I want to know the God of the Bible. And if I'm going to know the God of the Bible, here's what the God of the Bible tells me. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I need faith. You need faith. Romans teaches apart from faith. Whatever is done apart from faith is sin. I want to grow in faith. And this chapter teaches me how. So in the presence of God, you can't live outside the presence of God. You do, you'll get in trouble. I want to live in the presence of El Shaddai. I want to know who he is. I want to trust who he is. I want to take hold of the promise of God. I, want to, I don't even want to consider my own body or my own limitations or my own frailty. 
And as I live in the presence of God and I take hold of the promise of God, I want my faith to increase, not weaken. And as I understand these principles, watch what happens next. <coughs> what, what verse am I in? Where did I stop? Sorry. Uh, what, what did it say, though? Ah, no distrust calls him. No unbelief calls him to waver concerning the promise of God. But what did he do? He grew strong in his faith. Have you signed up for my weekly devotional email? Every Tuesday, I send out a devotion that will help you grow in your faith. Go to my website, awakentograce.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and when you sign up and submit your email, you'll get a direct message from me every Tuesday. Sign up today at awakentograce.com.